my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to welcome you to the Culture Watch podcast, a ministry of speaking for him. I hope you are having a wonderful day wherever it is you are listening, and if you are a returner, welcome back, and if you are new, welcome here for the first time. This week actually marks the 11th anniversary of the Speaking for Him podcast. Uh, We've come a long way. Uh, This is actually the 18th week of the Culture Watch podcast, and we have posted 574 podcasts of the original Speaking for Him podcast. And I can let you know that this week on the regular podcast will be my review of the new movie, The Blind, which tells the story of Phil Robertson of the Robertson family who founded Duck Commander and who were the center of the reality show Duck Dynasty. It was a very moving movie which depicted what Jesus can do when someone finally surrenders their life to him. And so I'm excited to share that review with you on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. But for now, let's look at news for the week of October 9th. We start out today with Kaylee McEnany talking about the inconsistency between the Democrats and the Republicans and the way that we handle disagreement. Disagreement and different views on topics is healthy. It's part of what our Democratic Republic was built on. The Founding Fathers spent months hammering out the founding documents of our country, largely, many times, disagreeing on important matters. Before they came up with the founding documents known as the Declaration of Independence and later the U.S. Constitution. So our country is in many ways built on dialogue. But the liberal left seems bent on making sure everyone knows that if you disagree with them, you have a problem. For years, the liberal media made a cottage industry of vilifying conservatives. Remember how, according to them, President Trump and his supporters, they were somehow responsible for racism. That's the extremist thinking that Donald Trump represents and the hate mongering that unfortunately is poisoning the Republican Party. He is a representative of their intolerance. Dare I say it, racism. He's a representative of their misogyny. He's a representative of the intolerance. President Trump knows what he's doing when he's stoking uh, racism. Trump and Trumpism and all that it represents, that nexus of racism and sexism and greed. It's always the same playbook, no matter who it is. It's racism. But now... That Trump's out of office, guess what? He and half of America, still the problem. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. MAGA Republicans are determined to spread anger, hate, and division. This MAGA threat is a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions. Hmm. The blood red background, that was fitting. The unifier in chief, as he calls himself, ratcheting up the hateful rhetoric, taking us down a dangerous new road. And the media, they took his cue. We call it here triple trickle down hatred. 
That's what it is. Commander in chief gives the instructions to the media. And now here we are. No longer content with the usual smears of racism and bigotry. Now Trump and his supporters, many of you watching, are an existential threat to America's very survival. He's the villain. He's easy. What's difficult is that so many of our fellow Americans buy into this. It is abundantly clear that the Republican Party is now unafraid to stand with those who would turn to violence. If you don't stop it now, it will only get worse and only jail will get to him directly. Hmm. The message is clear. Trump belongs in prison. And if you support him in the America First agenda, they may target you, too. This is why we've seen the DOJ, remember that letter, targeting parents as domestic terrorists, all because they don't want porn in their kindergarten classrooms. And peaceful protesters outraged over the left's radical abortion demands. They targeted pro-lifers. They went to Mark Houck's house with guns, the FBI. But thankfully, he was acquitted by a jury. We still have juries in this country. And it's why, as Newsweek reported this week, the FBI is targeting Trump supporters. Now, the FBI disputes that, but one senior intelligence official stated Trump's army constitutes the greatest threat of violence domestically. The left is not hiding their authoritarian impulses anymore, and there's no better example of that than the oh-so-likable Hillary Clinton. Not content with just labeling half the country as deplorables, she now is proposing something you would expect to hear from Kim Jong-un. Many of those extremists, those mega extremists, um, take their marching orders from Donald Trump. At some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. A formal deprogramming. You heard that correctly. That's what she said. From first lady to secretary of state to presidential candidate to the founder of America's first re-education camp. That's what she's asking for. She said it. There's no misconstruing that. Hopefully, she and the left will fail in that endeavor as much as the previous ones for the sake of the entire country. Okay, I have some immediate thoughts to this story and this idea of an inconsistency of liberals basically being able to share anything they believe, but conservatives being labeled as terrorists for believing in foundational conservative values. The first thing that I want to say is parents wanting to protect their kids should never be labeled as terrorism. We have grossly misunderstood the principles of our foundational freedoms if we believe this. So that's the first thing that I want to say. I'm very, very disappointed in the academic leadership in our country to actually have this view that parents that want to protect their children are terrorists. The reality that this shows is that teachers care more about their power than they do about the children. Now, is this true across the board for all teachers? No. I know a great many very good teachers that I worked with and that really care about the education of our children. And I would even venture to say that some of the teachers that I disagreed with on certain topics still had a mind to care for their students. 
So I'm not going to say this is true across the board. But when you hear of a school district or a school board fighting for the right to have pornographic or sexually inappropriate literature on the shelf somewhere, and yet they consider those who fight against them terrorists, it just does not make any sense. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is that so many times Trump and conservatism are seen as one and the same. There are plenty of extreme conservatives who believe in a strong moral standard who are not Trump-at-any-costs people. I am one of them. I voted for Trump in the last election because I thought that he was a better choice than Hillary Clinton. I was in the dark as far as what he would actually do agenda-wise, and I was grateful for the stands that he took. But I do not think that Trump is the only answer for America, and I have strong words for anyone that thinks that, because I truly believe that if we believe that Trump is the only answer for America, we are in a world of trouble. America is about we the people. Therefore, you and I can work together to be the answer for America, because we can bring the hope of Jesus to America And if we get involved in our civic life and do our civic duty, we can bring our love for what is right into that arena and speak to the truth of God as we unfold our political beliefs. That's one of the reasons why the Culture Watch podcast exists, because I couldn't just sit on the sidelines and abandon talking about these issues, because every political issue is a moral issue. And so I will continue to sound the clarion call and to encourage people to look at the world events that we face through a biblical lens. Which leads me to the final thing I want to say on this issue. The reality is that we are at a crossroads in America. We have come to a place in our culture where we call evil good and good evil. We have someone, Hillary Clinton, who said when she was caught in her email scandal, I'm sorry for what I did, but I did nothing wrong. And then she turns around and says that she is glad that the wheels of justice are turning against Donald Trump. Now let me be very clear. I don't think Donald Trump is handling things in a very mature way at all. I've been very disappointed with the way he has conducted himself on this campaign. But I also don't believe that he should face prison, and I think this is a witch hunt. They tried two impeachments and were unsuccessful, and so this is yet another effort to discredit him and get him out of the way. All this to say, I think we need to pray for our country and to continue to investigate the candidates for president so when the time comes to cast our vote in the primary, we can make our voice heard. I hope that you will pray with me that America will make some good decisions as we move forward on this. And I think we've seen in the last few years 
that America still has a voice. And I have an exciting story to share with you at the end of the show that shows just that. Our next story, though, comes out of the conflict that has erupted in Israel. Hamas has attacked Israel, and Israel is fighting back. First to Trey Yingst, live on the ground in southern Israel. Trey, I've been watching your reporting all weekend. You're doing an amazing job. Uh, it was highly suspected that Iran was behind this. If this Wall Street Journal report is true, that the, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps was the mastermind behind this, that's a whole new ballgame. John, that's exactly right. It raises brand new questions about how exactly the Israeli military will respond. There were suspicions that Iran was involved in the coordination of this widespread attack. There were just too many elements that went right for the Palestinian militants entering Israel and slaughtering these innocent civilians. At this hour, we have more breaking news. It appears Hamas militants have re-entered the southern city of Stirot and are engaging Israeli troops there. We were inside Stirot earlier today where we saw what was left from the carnage. This weekend, blood in the streets, windshields strewn with bullet holes, and Hamas leaving behind the equipment that they brought into Israel. Here in the town of Storot, you can see one of the pickup trucks used by Hamas fighters to infiltrate into southern Israel. In the back, the gear that they brought with them, you can even see some of the clothes that they were wearing at the time. These militants massacred many civilians in Storot. Some were taken hostage and are now prisoners of war inside the Gaza Strip. Tonight in Sajaya, there are airstrikes. This is a neighborhood in the eastern part of the Gaza Strip. Hamas says more than 150 Israeli strikes have targeted this militant area. It's important to note many of the civilians have moved inside Gaza and are staying in a variety of U.N. schools after receiving a warning by the Israeli military to get out and get out quickly. Throughout the day, we have seen hundreds of tanks, APCs, and other vehicles headed toward the Gaza border. Thousands of Israeli troops, they look prepared for the battle ahead. It will be a very difficult fight, a very bloody fight, but after the massacre that took place this weekend, more than 700 Israeli civilians and soldiers killed and dozens taken hostage, made prisoners of war in Gaza. These soldiers say they are ready for the fight. John. We need to pray for the peace of Israel. I see people online taking sides in this conflict, and I want to remind you that throughout our great history and throughout the history of the world, one thing has remained constant. When a country threatens Israel, it does not end well for them. Israel is God's chosen people. And I believe he still has a great work to do in and through them. I want to share with you an essay which comes from chapter 1 of Approved a Watchman for Israel by James Grohl. And James shares seven reasons why we should pray for Israel. So I'm just going to go through these one by one and share them with you. 
First of all, Israel is still the apple of God's eye and his inheritance. We need to pray and take a stand for Israel because Israel is still very close to God's heart. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, or Israel, is the allotment of his inheritance. He encircled them. He cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. He spread his wings and caught them. He carried them on his pinions. This is from Deuteronomy 32.9-11 If God says that Israel is the apple or a pupil of his eye, then I will pray with insight, with his sight. Do you want to be close to the heart of God? Then be close to the things, people, and purposes that are close to his heart. So the first one is, Israel is still the apple of God's eye and his inheritance. The second reason that Mr. Grohl gives for us to pray for Israel is it is time to have compassion. Pray for Israel by being filled with compassion for Israel's condition. Psalm 102, 13 and 14 says, You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her domes and feel pity for her dust. God wants to give his heart to us so that we can pray over Israel with compassion. The time has come for us to receive his heart so that our prayers will go beyond merely saying correct words and on into the prayer of the heart, even to the prayer of tears. God commands us to give him and ourselves no rest. Pray and take a stand for Israel because God wants to establish Jerusalem and make her a praise in the earth. The prophet Isaiah declared, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen all day and all night. They will never keep silent. You will remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. Now we must understand something very clearly. This is not for our sake, it is for Zion's sake. It is not about what is convenient, it is a priority. God desires to work through us for Israel's salvation. Pray for Israel so that Israel will be saved. God wants us to receive his heart so that we can pray with accuracy and discernment for the salvation of Israel. The Apostle Paul said, I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Romans 9.2 and 10.1 Paul also declared, I wish that I myself were accursed for the sake of my brethren who are Israelites. Romans 9, 3, and 4. Paul was willing to be separated from Christ so that his brethren might know their Messiah. And I would add here as well 
that Paul is praying this in an epistle to the Romans who are Gentiles. Paul was primarily called to be a missionary to the Gentiles rather than the Jews, yet he never lost his love or passion for Israel. This is just one reason why I believe God is not done with Israel yet. Number five, God commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray and take a stand for Israel because God wants to bless Jerusalem and her inhabitants with his peace and goodness. David's exhortation in Psalm 122 must still be prayed and sung today. May they prosper who love you. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. We must pray for the shalom of God for the city of peace. Number six, Israel's acceptance of Jesus will bring life. Pray and act for Israel because the Jewish people's acceptance of the Messiah Jesus will lead to worldwide revival of unprecedented magnitude. Romans 11.15 says, For if Israel's rejection of Christ is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Wow, life from the dead. I... Israel's acceptance of the glorious Messiah will be used to catalyze the greatest spiritual awakening that this planet has ever seen. The whole earth will be filled with the fruit of revival. Number seven, and the final point, Jesus linked his second coming to Israel's turning to him. Pray and take a stand for Israel because the second coming of Christ is linked to Israel's response to him. Jesus prophesied before his death for I say unto you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew twenty three thirty nine. Jesus linked his second coming to Israel's national returning or turning to him. As you hold God's appointments before him as a watchman on the walls, you'll help to fulfill every plan and purpose on his strategic calendar for Israel and the nations of the earth. Praying with you, for Israel, James W. Grill. And again, that is adapted from chapter 1 of his book, Appointed a Watchman for Israel, in James Goff's book, Praying for Israel's Destiny. So again, that book is Praying for Israel's Destiny by James Grill. And I just thought that was worth our consideration as we think about the people of Israel today and we pray for their safety as they engage in this battle with Hamas, where Hamas has clearly attacked them. One thing that I will never understand is that Israel gets attacked and then they are ridiculed in the media for defending their homeland. There have been several Americans killed. I know there was one story that said seven at least, and there's probably been more since that story went out. So that's something worth praying about. I saw a Facebook post from someone saying they were praying for a friend to get safely out of Jerusalem. And as of this recording, I don't know if they have. So please pray about that and just continue to think about all these people that are ravaged by war. And as discouraging as this is, we can remember what Jesus said 
If there's war and rumors of war, know this, that the end is not yet, but it is coming. It is a sign of the times, and we need to be ready. The return of Christ could come at any time. As I close out the podcast today, I have an exciting update for you that is such a blessing to be able to share. I shared with you last week about the Ramaki family and their desire to stay in the States and homeschool their children. They fled for asylum to the States several years ago because Germany does not allow homeschooling. And they were granted asylum at one point by a judge and have been in our country trying to live as productive citizens since then. Well, the Biden administration recently told them without stating a reason that their stay was over and their grant of a stay for an indeterminate amount of time was finally coming to an end. Well, this week they were granted a reprieve. A German family facing deportation, even though they've been living in East Tennessee for over 15 years. This morning, Tennessee lawmakers are fighting to keep them in the U.S. On a routine check-in last month, the Romaiki family were told their indefinite deferred action status had been revoked. The family has been living in Morristown since 2010 after being granted asylum by the Homeschool Legal Defense Administration because you are quote, essentially banned to homeschooling your children in Germany. Yesterday, Tennessee Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger announced the family has received a one-year stay of removal by U.S. Immigration and Customs, also known as ICE. The family situation has also prompted her to propose a bill which would allow the family to stay permanently. In a statement, the congresswoman says the one-year stay of removal will allow Congress to consider the bill and thank the East Tennesseans who were a part of the 100,000 who signed the petition to keep them here at home. Senator Marsha Blackburn also weighed in on Twitter, referencing a letter she sent to Homeland Security a few weeks ago. In her statement, she says, quote, as millions of illegal aliens cross our southern border, the Biden administration has worked to remove the Romaiki family who came to Tennessee legally after being persecuted for homeschooling. Following my letter and the work of so many, I'm glad ICE has granted a one-year stay of removal. However, if Harshbarger's bill does not pass, it's not clear what will happen to the family. The HSLDA reported that two of the family's children are U.S. citizens and two of their other children have married American citizens. We'll keep following this case. So I just want to correct one thing that the anchor said, and that is that, to my knowledge, the HSLDA, or the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, has no ability to grant asylum. That was granted by a judge. So I just wanted to throw out that addendum. Second of all, I wanted to point out that they had thousands of people sign a petition for this family to be able to stay in America. And this was actually cited as a reason for the success of the move to have them stay. And so their deportation has been put on hold for at least a year, and it's because people like you and I 
took action and prayed for these people. We still have the power to make our voice known here in the United States of America. And so I want to encourage you to continue to pray for the Ramakis and continue to pray that America would be an open place for those who want to be productive citizens and live here in the land of the free. Before I end the show today, I, I want to have some final thoughts. First of all, on the first story of the day, I don't usually backtrack, but I wanted to just address Hillary Clinton's statements directly. The fact that she is calling for people to be reprogrammed because they are mega Americans is extremely scary and something that only comes out of communist countries. And we should be very concerned that a leader in our country is calling for that kind of action. And finally, as I end today, I want to offer a prayer for Israel, for their safety, for their protection, for their prosperity, and for their salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today and I thank you for the salvation that is offered through our Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was, is, and always will be a Jew. Lord, I pray for the Jews of Israel, those who believe in you as Messiah, and those who have yet to trust in you, that this conflict with Hamas will drive them to their knees and will cause them to seek you while you can yet be found. I pray that you would turn back Iran from this horrific goal of attacking Israel, that you would show that Israel is still your people and the apple of your eye. I pray that you would give us wisdom as a country in supporting you, and I pray that you would raise up in the next presidential election a hero for the nation of Israel. Because we are called to pray for the peace of this nation. And we echo the prayer of the Apostle Paul that all Israel would be saved. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, that's about all I have time for this week for Culture Watch. This is Andrew Gomison saying, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.